You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's Thursday, which means it's time to get riled up. I am RJ Ochoa, not Roy White. However, I am joined by the incomparable, the debonair, the international man of mystery himself, Thomas Ryle. Tom, how are you doing today, sir? Better than most of the state of Texas, I tell you. I'm lucky to live in the sliver that isn't going through this whole uh, ECOT thing or whatever that's called. So it's it's been pretty good. I've had one brief power outage. And other than that, it's been life as normal inside the house. Going out to walk the dog is another challenge entirely. Yeah, I feel you. Um, again, it's, I'm obviously RJ. Um, I think everyone here on the network knows all of us. Um, Roy uh, is part of the people that are having power issues. And obviously with power issues, Tom, there's internet issues, which makes uh, recording across the proverbial pond, uh, a rather difficult proposition. In fact, uh, we did not have an episode. Uh, Connor was kind enough to address, uh, you know, our listeners on Wednesday's episode of Talk on the Draft. Tony Casillas and I did not record on Tuesday for the 750. We actually started to record. Uh, we got about 10 minutes in. We, we tried, you know, kind of, you know, got some tin foil out and, and bent the rabbit ears <laughs> and everything um, and got about 10 minutes in and then the internet went kaput uh, because of, of some difficult issues and whatnot. And so those are 10 minutes that are lost forever nobody will ever know what we talked about it's just a secret uh you could put it up there with the president's book uh that that nicholas cage found in national treasure and area 51 and all that stuff uh but so uh i'm glad that you and i are here tom we haven't had a chance to to kind of chop it up on uh on the podcast in a while i'm glad to hear you're doing well um in, in case anybody does care i live in south texas as you know tom the rio grande valley it's just been cold that's that's really all we're dealing with it's been cold uh, we've had some some flickers you know every now and then uh, but but ultimately we're fine thank god um i will attest that walking the dog in the cold is not fun um nope. but um but if if that's the the biggest issue we're dealing with i think we're both doing well but um tom i i told you i said let's just record we didn't come up with a rundown or anything are you nervous uh no are you sure <laughs> yeah we'll just we'll just see what happens i mean after after you've been around as long as i have you realize why well, get embarrassed just <laughs> so what I, I thought we could talk about, Tom, because last week was a really interesting week for the Cowboys um, with nothing really happening. It was the hype video discussion. And um, and I'll, I'll say this. And I actually just did an interview uh, with a friend of, of BTB, Paul Catalina from from Waco. And and he and I agreed. And I'm curious if you agree with this. I think you you will, because you're incredibly intelligent uh, and handsome, in case I forgot to say Um I used to think maybe from for the last two years, all the way up until, I don't know, I don't know when the, the point of no return was for me here. I used to think it was not impossible, but but impossible that, that Dak Prescott would not get a new deal with the Cowboys. I thought it was only possible in the sense that like 
literally anything was possible, right? Like it's literally possible that, um, you know, your dog could start talking to you, right? Like it's technically possible in, in, in the world where gravity is 9.81 meters per second squared. Um, yeah. I am starting to believe now that it is not just like literally possible, but it's actually possible. Are you, are you, do you share that sentiment that you thought it was impossible and now you are at least aware that it might actually happen? Well, I'll certainly say that there are times you think that Stephen and Jerry Jones are really trying to convince us of that. <laughs> um, it's, and you know, you, you, this is one of those things where you really wish you could have a little time together with both of them involving uh, some jumper cables and pliers and really find out what they're thinking because this makes little if any sense um they they are playing as i've mentioned they are playing hard to get right not just with the outside free agents which has been going on for quite some time uh but they're playing hard to get with their franchise quarterback it's like you've got this incredibly hot girlfriend and you just want to kind of keep her at arm's length. And it's like, why? What are you doing? Well, so I, I don't know if you agree with this either. Um, but we, we know, and, and we talk about this all the time at Blog on the Boys, that narrative is very important to the Cowboys, right? Like the brand of everything is very important to them. And I do think, and again, I don't want to get like all of this, you know, do you agree, do you not agree, whatever. But I think a year ago, the Dak Prescott conversation nationally was a bit of a debate. There were people that were team Dak along with us, a lot of our national friends. Mm -hmm. And then there were some people who didn't believe that, that he was the guy. I, for whatever reason, call it, you know, the beginning of the season, the, the numbers he was putting up, the fact that the Cowboys were so bad without him. It does feel like that conversation has changed. It feels like the consensus nationally is that the Cowboys have botched this. They have messed this up pay Dak, look how bad Jared Goff is, look how bad Carson Wentz is, everything has gone against the Cowboys. And so with that being the case, I do wonder if, because the Cowboys want to win, to, to, to be blunt about this, I wonder if they are almost prepared to, to not pay Dak because that's the only way they can win by their terms, right? Because whatever they pay Dak, how, unless it's an insane bargain, which we know it is not going to be based on the last two years of contract negotiations, it is going to look like they bent the knee, right? Like they caved, they came to mm -hmm. the terms that Dak and, and his agent, his representation wanted. And so I don't think there's a, a way where they can win in the court of public opinion by paying him a market rate contract. Do you? Yeah, and I, you're veering into something that I was thinking of while we were having this discussion. Part of the brand that Jerry and Stephen Jones think they have <laughs> is that they think they're smarter than everybody right. else. And I just that just seems to be woven all through this. They think they can do this deal. They can prove how smart they are and what brilliant football and money people and they, they are. And, you know, reality is kind of clashing with that. And you really, you really don't know what to say. Sometimes it's like, why are you guys messing with this? Yeah. I, I go back to, um, to a May interview that Stephen Jones did with Mike Florio from pro football talk. 
And he was asked about this. Obviously, this has been a discussion point for a long time. Um, and and Stephen talked about a lot of this. I wrote about it at the time for the side. We talked about it here on the podcast. Um, and Stephen said, let's see, I'm pulling the quotes up right here. He said, there's all sorts of analytics out there that show if your quarterback takes up too big a percentage of your salary cap, that it decreases your chances to win. And you remember this. He got, he got roasted yeah. for this. And because yeah. not only is this incorrect it's actually just dumb um in the sense that like this would be like me saying tom there's a lot of analytics out there that show if you pay too much money for your hamburger that you're not going to have a good time like it's not even it's just like common sense you know like and and it's also it's a lazy take it's a lazy idea but to your point i i truly believe and i think you truly believe that when Stephen Jones said this, that he truly believed, like, I sound super intelligent right now. Like, everyone's going to yeah. hear me say the word analytics and think I know what I'm talking about. And and that's I, I think that there's a lot to the fact that football fans are, are much smarter than they used to be. And there's so much more information. And um, I mean, you see it every day. People on Twitter are defending or arguing with this or that idea or whatever the case may be. And so I think it's important to them to win. Here. I think yeah. that, that that is number one priority for the Joneses. They have to win. And and I did a video uh, this week where you and I were recording on Wednesday. We had a video go out late Tuesday night on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel where I speculated about Russell Wilson, that whole idea. And that has made me feel this is more possible, not in the sense that I think the Cowboys are going to trade for Russell Wilson necessarily, but Russell is one of the only ways where they can win. Because there's no doubt, like you can argue, certainly, if the Cowboys ended up with any non-Dak Prescott quarterback, it would probably be a step backwards. Russell is perhaps the only one of the would-be available quarterbacks at the moment that is undisputed uh, uh, step forward in terms of individual talent. And so he represents, he's the carrot that represents the idea that they can still win because, and I, I liken this, it's in no way the same way, but do you remember when um, following the Tim Tebow year in Denver, when Peyton Manning was a free agent, that was like the only way that John Elway was going to be able to move on from Tim Tebow without anybody chastising it. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. Peyton Manning, you know, that of course we're going to, you know, make this move or whatever the case may be. I think this yeah. is similar. Do you agree though? I'm, Cause I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just too worried. Yeah. To me, the analytics argument, it makes me think of the old thing about there's, you know, three kinds of falsehoods, lies, damnable lies, and statistics. <laughs> and I think you might be able to throw analytics into it because people misuse them all the time. Totally. They cherry pick something, take a number. Here's why that whole argument of Stephen Jones is, falls apart. First off, you sign him to a multi-year deal. And he's not going to take up that big a percentage of your cap space because you're going to put some of it down the road. Right. Guess what's coming up in 2022? All of the broadcast uh, rights are being renegotiated. Uh, I think Monday Night Football is up at the end of this season. And then at the end of 2022, they go in with everybody else. The revenue is going to skyrocket. Right. So it's a perfect time to push that back. So that maybe next year they'd it'd be kind of close to getting into that high percentage that makes Stephen Jones pucker up and, and get all concerned. But in the out years, you're going to have the money coming in. And as always happens, when you pay a good player, a lot of money, two or three years later, he looks like a bargain. Yeah. Uh, and it was three years ago, Tom, three Oh. that Matt Ryan became the first quarterback to make over $30 million per year. 
Ooh. And I remember, remember, every, yeah, everybody was like, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. And like that deal looks and even the Russell deal that, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about Russell Wilson. That was two years ago. And, and I, I don't know if you remember, I wrote at the time, you know, this is how Dak Prescott's first three years compared to Russell Wilson's first three years. And, and you, you know, the comments, Dak isn't as good as Russell. You can't pay him as much as Russell. If you had paid him as much as Russell right now, he'd be on the books for $35 million a year, which is less than this year's franchise tag value. Yeah. And I don't know what this five-year contract finish is all about. Uh, you know, I understand they want to have the extra year of control. You don't know where things are going to be in four years. We've seen them lose Dak Prescott for most of a season to an injury. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that's always looming out of out there. And I don't want to don't want to jinx anything. Let me knock on some wood over here and everything. <laughs> but you know. In four years, it might be, well, okay, we're sorry that you've had a Romo-like experience here and all of a sudden, you know, it could happen. They're just, there are too many assumptions that they throw in here that seem to fly in the face of the, the obvious thing that the first and biggest key to having a successful football team is to have a good franchise quarterback. You've got him in your hands. Right. You could have had him at much lower cost if you'd bitten the bullet two, three years ago. Um, And okay, so maybe, you know, in three years after you get him to sign to a deal, you have to look at renegotiating again to try and extend him. Well, now all of a sudden, there's a whole lot more you can do with cap management. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, it just, you know, I now have a little hair to pull out because I haven't been able to get a haircut lately. And it's, you know, it's coming out in chunks because this whole thing is making, making me pull my hair out. And, you know, you get weary of talking about the Dak situation, but you know, I'm sorry. It's the elephant takes up a lot of space and you have to be, be aware of it to get around it in the room. That's the only, the only way you can look at it. It is the ultimate. Um, I might butcher this this saying. The, um, a, is it a bird in the hand is better than two in the bushel? Is that the saying? Bush or whatever, whatever the case may be. Bush <laughs> bushel. Um, you've got you've got a. You don't just have a bird. You have a songbird. You know what I mean? Like you have a beautiful songbird in your hands. Take care of it. Love it. Nurture it. Um, you mentioned it though, and so I wanted to start with Dak. Um, I told you no rundown. We're just going to kind of go with the gut, go off the cuff. Um, what are your other worries? about this offseason in terms of what the Cowboys may or may not do. And, and while you pontificate, I'll, I'll let you stall and, and throw out one of my own. Fine Texas Aggies here through and through, Tom, a whoop. Um, however, that being said, I am terrified that they are going to run back the Xavier Woods experiment with Donovan Wilson. Dono showed a lot of growth and a lot of progression last season, and that's awesome. And I'm not saying, like, you know, cast him aside. Don't involve him. It took way too long for him to be involved from the get-go. But I am petrified that the Cowboys are going to look at what Donovan Wilson did throughout the past season and say, you know what, we're good. You're not good. You do not convince yourselves that you're good. But that is something that they do year in and year out, specifically at the safety position. Yeah, because they've – Xavier Woods is going into free agency. I don't think they're going to want to sign him for what he's going to be able to get on the open market. Um, Everybody that's listening said, oh, there's no way he's getting anything on the open market, by the way. That's because that's, that's what Cowboys fans say. Yeah. But you know, (laughs) I think he'll do, I think he's okay. I just don't think they're looking to do that. They need to go out and try to look, especially for a free safety type. Uh, 
there's some possibilities in free agency, but we know how they are with free agency. That's the uh, worry, though. That's what we're concerned about. That's, you know. I know. They got, I mean, uh, they, let, me, they rub those. let me interrupt you, Tom, and ask, do you think, this is two questions, I suppose. Do you think Earl Thomas plays in 2021? And do you think it's possible that he plays for the Cowboys? Because we've seen, we've seen before, um, and I'm, I'm not at all likening any situation, but we've seen that time, you know, time put between, you know, points of distance can, can certainly be a benefit to players who have had off the field issues. Um, Antonio Brown just won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so I think if, if we get to the point where we're a year, 10, nine months removed from Earl Thomas's ending with the Baltimore Ravens, I mean, that I think it's possible he plays in the NFL again. It's really my point. And so, I mean, every Cowboys fan, it, the day we see the, the, the Ian Rappaport tweet, Tom, that, that Earl Thomas yeah. is getting NFL interest, every Cowboys fan will, will mention the Blog of the Boys account and say, what's going to happen here? So do you think it's possible? Um, it's not impossible, but I don't think it's probable. Um, I don't really know. Uh, what kind of shape he'd be in. I, I, you know, he was getting old. I think he was having a little bit of health concerns just because time in the NFL wears you down. Right. But I'm just not sure. Um, however, he's one of those players. There seems to be this weird infatuation about, and I'm not, I'm not too sure how they still look at him. They being, the management and now you have to factor in Dan Quinn. What would he bring to that? Right. What would he say about it? Let me ask you this, Tom, which member of the Seahawks Super Bowl championship team is more likely to be on the 2021 Cowboys roster, Earl Thomas or Russell Wilson? God. <laughs> Can't I say Richard Sherman? Well, okay. I think of the three and like, and that's possible, but of the, of the three and something I think that people leave out of that is Richard has had a lot of comments about Jerry Jones before. And so like, I think that that's a factor in potentially prohibiting him from joining the Cowboys in terms of his own interest. The Dan Quinn thing certainly goes a long way, but Richard Sherman is clearly the most likely, but between Russell and Earl. I would have to probably say, they'd take a flyer on Earl just because why not of a variety At this of things. Point, but, yeah. but right now, you know, who knows there, there are times I think they've just, you know, they're just spending too much time with the Johnny Walker blue and, mm -hmm. and you know, it's, it's just crazy stuff. So what, what is another, my worry is again, that they're going to lean on Donovan Wilson. What's a, a worry that you have? And that's not something that makes you necessarily lose sleep at night, but you know, something that, you know, you've, uh, you've spent some time in the chair sitting back and just kind of gosh, darn in the Cowboys about preemptively, uh, of course. Probably, um, God, I, I'm worried about them neglecting defensive tackle again. Mm. Um, however, you know, Tristan Hill, Neville Gallimore, they're at least showing that they're willing to spend some draft picks, you know, a second and a third. And, you know, it looked like Tristan was taking off last year before he got hurt. Neville came along, but that was a little bit out of necessity and the kind of lack of competition he had, uh, you know, or the lack of alternatives, but still there's a step there. Uh, you know, I think there's a good chance they're going to bring Gerald McCoy back and give that another shot. 
Is that um, enough though? If if they because I agree with you, I no. think it's it's probably that's what that's and so within your worry, that's my worry. And I love Joe McCoy. I think he's awesome, and I would love for him to be back. Yeah. But my worry is that they would bring him back and feel like we're good. We've got Joe McCoy, got Tristan Hill. Yep. He was progressing. We got Neville Gallimore. Yep. You know what? Why add to this group? You know, I I because that tell me that that wouldn't be how they would think. Well, first off, you got to have at least four right. to cover <laughs> well, that, the rotation. So they'll, now they'll bring they'll bring Antoine Woods back and, and call it a day. That's but yeah, that's their okay. way. Now I, I I like Antoine Woods, but still, I think day two you really need to be looking at how the draft is falling and planning on on using your second or one of the two thirds there, at least. You know that that's something I'm I'm looking at putting together uh, a little look at what they should be doing on day one, day two, and day three of the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and basically uh, when it's you know what positions do they need to draft on defense? It's yes, but you have to figure out how you allocate. You know, mm-hmm. like you know you're going to want to push linebacker back a bit. Um, the secondary and defensive tackle need to be leaned into heavy, but you know, that's one concern of mine. Safety's another one, kind of like what we were talking about. They've got to come up with a real free safety. I was so intrigued by the idea of somebody saying, you know, that sign Patrick Peterson and make him a free safety. Everybody's uh, saying that that's, that's the take, right? You know, cause it's the Charles Woodson move for Mac McCarthy. Yeah. And I, you know, that would be great. I also don't see that happening because, you know, they have this weird thing with free agency. They just can't seem to get the balance with that. You know, they were, see, they were overspending once and now they won't spend anything. Right. And that's another worry, right, is that they'll neglect free agency again. And that would that would suck. That would be terrible. And I'm not at all poo-pooing the uh, flip Patrick Peterson to safety, flip Richard Sherman to safety. I wrote, uh, again, we're talking Wednesday, I wrote about potentially trading for Stephon Gilmore, who's got a $7 million cap hit this year, the final year of his contract. And the first response is always, well, flip him to safety. And again, I'm not against playing any of these players. These are just three, but at safety, but they're far better corner options than, yeah. than, than the cow. Like, why not play them at corner? I and mean, gosh, we still need some corners because right. last time I looked, uh, to do, uh, you know, Awuzie and Lewis are both free agents. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, yeah. And I I think if, if you, if, if I told you, Tom, the Cowboys bring in one of those three, call it Richard Sherman, Patrick Peterson, Stefan Gilmore, that they would have to trade for, obviously Um, they bring in one of those three, they return either Cheetah Bay Wooze or Jordan Lewis. And you know, they kick Reggie Robinson back to corner. So all of a sudden you've got one of your three, you've brought back Cheetah or Jordan. You have Trayvon Diggs probably starting outside next year. You still have Anthony Brown, a solid reserve. And then you have Reggie Robinson kind of as a, as a now a, a red shirted, you know, real rookie year now kind of playing corner for the first time. That would be a group that again, wouldn't feel super awesome, but that's, there are a lot of worse units in the NFL than that one hypothetically would be. If you had that all lined up by the time you hit the draft, I still wouldn't hesitate a second to draft a corner in the first round. I agree with you. <laughs> you I agree know? with you. Because, and then, and then, and then you trade Anthony Brown. You know what I mean, or whatever. And I think that, like this, this kind of goes to another concern of mine. And I'm going to say this. I told you, Tom, that I had a, a surprise for you. Um, I, I'm not necessarily advocating for this, so I want to be clear about this to you and the listener. A concern of mine is that they won't 
they, they won't be forward thinking. They, they won't be uh, ruthless is not the right word, but, and, and an example of this is that they won't trade Michael Gallup. Again, I'm not at in any way, shape or form advocating the trading of Michael Gallup. However, let's just think in a grand sense for one hypothetical moment here. I know I'm not the first person to propose trading Michael Gallup next year. We could see them operate more out of 12 personnel because now we know that they have two legitimate tight ends in, in Blake Jarwin returning and Dalton Schultz. So that would, that would mitigate the loss hypothetically of Michael Gallup. And so, I mean, he's entering the final year of his rookie contract. I know it's painful to consider giving up on a really good player, but they're not going to resign him. Right. I know a lot of people thought that, Oh, they'll get rid of Amari Cooper after the first two years of the extension a year ago. I, I don't see any reason to move on from Amari Cooper after this past season. I know we had a postscope about how he quietly had a dominant year. I think there it, it's a it's a very logical course of action to say let's trade Michael Gallup now to improve our overall roster by the, the the bullet so to speak. We'll have Amari, we'll have Ceedee Lamb. Maybe you bring Cedric Wilson back, and and you're fine. I mean, there, there are again worse ways to go about this whole thing. To me, it would it would just about have to be an offer you can't refuse. Sure, but I mean, but I, I think to... that they would be too emotional. That's the worry I had. That they would say, "Nope, no way, no how. We're not trading Michael Gallup." And again, if it was the if it was an improper offer, obviously you're not taking that. But that is a big trade piece that you have that that should be considered. Is my point? At, yeah, probably the best trade piece you have. Uh, not would just you, a would good you trade him? Is... Would you trade him for Stephon Gilmore, who's on who's on the last Ooh. year of his contract? Now that I hadn't really looked at. So say, say that offer came that. in. Say that offer came in. I, I believe that they would say no because they're, and for good reason, emotionally connected to Michael Gallup. But I think that's that's my concern is that, that they won't be able to make those hard, call them cold decisions because that would really improve their overall roster in a way that would you know be worth it. And so, but I, I don't think they'd be willing to do that. Not that that trade necessarily will go their way or even come their way, but I, I think we both agree that that's, that's something they should consider. No. Yeah. That would be one that I could definitely see working because you have to remember that there's a lot of evidence that if you're do a good job with scouting, you can find wide receivers all over the draft. Right. Um, it would, you know, if they, they had, they had maybe one more guy in the depth list that, that made me feel good because right now they just don't have any depth. They got three great starters and then they're looking for depth. Um, it, that would be one that I would probably want to lean into. I think that would be something where it would be worth it. Um, you know, um, and, and we but know, I have to see the offer. We know that Stephen Jones loves his comp picks, right? That's part of why the Cowboys are so stagnant in free agency. They don't want to jeopardize yeah. the comp pick formula. If you trade for Stephon Gilmore and then you let him walk next year, you're still you're still in line to get a 2023 compensatory pick like you would have been for Michael Gallup anyway. You know what yep. I mean? And so I and I, I think you know the the benefit too that you sell another team on in this hypothetical the Patriots is well you can keep Michael Gallup or you can get a comp pick out of it. You know what I mean? And so I I don't know, but I I don't think that they have the conviction to make decisions like that. That's my worry. Yeah, it's. Um... <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes they can get, I know Jerry Jones loves to do draft day trades, but that's trading picks around. Right. Um, 
when you're talking player for player stuff, yeah, I don't know if they have the level of creativity, if they can get outside of the little box they're in. Um, but that's one that you can go like, man, that's, that's, it's like getting a resource that I think is a lot more rare for a resource that is a lot easier to come by. Yeah. And to me, that's the great argument. And what was, what was, when was Gilmore drafted? 2012. It was the Mo Claiborne oh, draft um, to Buffalo originally. No, no, no. The what round? Oh, uh, he was a first round pick. I, I'm, first I'm, round pull, pick. I'm pulling this up right now, but while I look it up, you, uh, you carry on. No, that's it. That's it. See, that's uh, if, if you could get even tenth though o- he's 10th old, overall in 2012. Sorry, Tom. But yeah, 10th overall. If you're getting a top 10, former top 10 draft pick that you don't plan on re-signing when his contract is up in exchange for a third rounder who you contract, you don't plan on renewing when it's, when it's up. I mean, yeah, that, that to me is like, okay, how can you argue that? That Um, just, do you know who was taken one pick after Stefan Gilmore in 2012, Tom? He's, he was just on the Cowboys roster. No, who? Well, you know, it was the the player that quelled your they don't address defensive tackle woes. It was Dontari Poe taken by the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, that was man, that was one that was one where I guess in retrospect they should have seen that coming, but I thought that was a good we all did. It's it's okay that we were all wrong. It's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, do you have any other general worries like this? Yeah, don't wait too long to do something about offensive tackle. Oh, that man. one scares me. I think you know. I think they need to be. You know, to to me, the top four things you're looking for in the draft as far as position uh, are corner, offensive tackle, defensive tackle, and safety, free safety type. You know, those are the top four priorities, and uh, I'm a little worried. I don't know. Maybe I'm worried about them having too much faith in uh, in Tyron Smith's recovery and Lel Collins's recovery, uh, and maybe thinking, you know, well, Terrence Still and Brandon Knight learned an awful lot while they were getting beat to death. Which is true. That that is like it is rare to have. I'm not I'm not saying that they're good, but um, it's rare to have. Uh, that amount of tackle depth that has that level of NFL experience at such a young age. That, that is a fair data point. It, it is. But my whole thing is I just, I just don't have any confidence that both Smith and Collins are going to be there through the bulk of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking one of them may make it, but I've just got an uneasy feeling. And I'm just waiting to see what happens with uh, Tyron because if, if I were him and I'm sure not him, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, he's made a good chunk of change. Off and he's, of an, off and of he's only 31. NFL. Yeah. He's only 31 years old. Yeah. But you know, I might be tempted to take my bank account and I, you know, I gather that his wife has really helped him with figuring out how to handle his money. Uh, for those that don't remember, he was right. going through some of that thing with, you know, all these people were coming with their hand out to him and that included family members. And it was his wife who said, no, you can't do that. You can't support everybody and got him to 
get it under control. So he's one of those guys that he can walk away from the game and have a very nice 40, 50 years of life left. So, uh, you know, and I'm not too sure what's going on uh, with that. It's just one of those things that if I were him, I mean, a 10 year NFL career is a great long career. Um, He's still extremely good when he's healthy. But I also think he's aware that he's in a little bit of the decline stage. Right. And that's inevitable. That's not a knock on him. Uh, you know, not everybody can be uh, – well, let, let, me, let me rephrase that. Some players can survive when their, you know, physical talents start to decline to a certain extent because they've got – Tom Brady's probably a great example of that because uh, – you know, he's certainly not as mobile as he once was, not that he was ever very fleet of foot. Right. But he's made it by getting in the right situation and relying on his football smarts and, you know, having a little bit of luck. Right. And part of that involves that he plays a position that doesn't involve contact on every play like Tyron Smith does. You know, that's just yes. part, of the na- part of the nature of the game in that sense. I agree with you in that. I, I think they might you ever like I'm sure you have Tom's an ex- incredibly responsible person I have done this um, like when you when your car tells you um, like you know how it's like oh you've got 50 miles left whatever you know uh-huh. left on your gas tank and then it reaches the point where it stops even giving you like a measurement in terms of miles left like it's just it, like that's that's a, a crazy way to live. And that's that's what it feels like not addressing the tackle position would be doing, because to your point, I, I can totally see the Cowboys saying we're good. Tyron's coming back. Lyle's coming back. We're totally fine. We got these guys that played last year and then it all falling apart, you know, right in front of their faces, just like it did last year. I don't think, Tom, that anybody addressed this um, on the podcast network. I know it's been a couple of days, but we were talking about this on Slack over the weekend. The uh, the tweet from Lyle Collins' agent that kind of came out of nowhere that said that he yeah. was denying. We I, I wrote about this. So it's up on the site again. It's from the, the past weekend, but I don't think. Uh, well, Tony and I didn't talk about it Tuesday because we didn't get to record, and we had an interview on Wednesday's show. But um, that was kind of like again that that kind of sparked some panic, right? Because it's like, well. Yeah. You're only saying this because it's like a thing that people are talking about. So why would it even be a thing that people are talking about? You know what I mean? But and the thing is, I hadn't heard anybody talking about it. No, I know. I, I have to believe the rumor was was more behind the scenes. You know yeah. what I mean? But but and so it, it didn't just come out of nowhere like it, it wasn't on Twitter. But I mean, th- that was concerning on some level. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. It makes it's the whole. What do you know that we don't know? That's that's where it comes from. And there's a lot of that that goes on with the Cowboys. I think it happens with NFL teams in general. But it's like the deca- the second Dak ankle surgery. A right. lot of people weren't aware that it happened. And all of a sudden, the that lack of information and suddenly having something pop up creates that uncertainty, right. that, that wondering what's going on we don't know about. And we've certainly seen a lot of those things. You know, you can you know look at the whole situation with Collins and Camp last year. You can look at when Travis Frederick became ill with uh, GBS. You know, we were hearing one thing, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, folks, let's pull back the curtain and check the man back there. Oh, right. that's not what we were led to believe. It is um, concerning. I mean. 
it, I didn't mean for this to, I guess I, I did mean, cause I did kind of plan it. Um, shout out to the dog um, for this to be just in, entirely negative and pessimistic and the sky is falling and chicken little in that sense. But sometimes that's what we need, Tom, right? Like just, just to kind of vent, you know, things get them off our chest. Well, let me give you a positive though. Oh, okay. Hit me. You know, they are, they, I think have 10 projected draft picks going in. Uh-huh. There are some positions that I think line up very well with where they have. And I think they had a very good draft last year, which I'm hoping they can carry forward. So I'm kind of waiting to see what they get in the draft. I think that's going to be a nice boost for our optimism. Uh, and I'm, f- although I'm waiting to see how it all works out, I'm still <laughs> feeling pretty good about Dan Quinn's hire and some of the other changes they've made you know i know that feels like it was about seven years ago now because we've had so much go down over that time you know it's just uh, it's it's just amazing to me what has happened in our world right Uh, it's 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 very strange you know and without getting outside of football too much we're we're just getting slammed there was a uh you know patrick Kahn on the twitter Right. Uh, you know, he put up a thing about something to the effect of like, I'm really tired of living through historical events. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's sometimes the outside negativity, you know, sitting here worrying about is your power going to be on and when's it going to get back above freezing? Uh, right. You know, that can weigh on you. So the cowboy. The the simple fact is the Cowboys have a lot of issues to address. And when you have multiple issues, one after another after another, you know, as we've seen in the outside world, it's really hard to make progress on all of them. And we have to kind of brace ourselves for the fact that something's not going to get done. Mm-hmm. All of these things that we'd like them to fix, we've got to figure one or two of them aren't going to be. Right. But hopefully the bulk of them will, or at least a couple will get done really right. I'll um I'll add a positive to end on as well. Um, I agree with you. There are a number of things we we could sit here for hours and and just kind of trash the Cowboys. Maybe that's what people think we just did. Um, <laughs> but and I I hate the term win now. I hate the term window. I hate all that stuff. But to to do something I hate. Um, I don't know that I would categorize them as win now. But I think that. I think that they have a, a much they, they have an ability to really accelerate that plan based on the division that they play in. Right. If, yeah. if they were if they were the Cincinnati Bengals, for example, it would be so difficult to look at the foreseeable future with teams like the Browns and, and the Steelers, arguably. I know that there's some question there and the Ravens. But here in the NFC East, I mean, the Giants aren't posing a legitimate threat. I don't care that they were the favorites at one point in the season or not. Jason Garrett's going to neutralize that offense uh, to an even larger degree next year. <laughs> Um, and, and the Washington football team obviously, you know, won the division and, and if they get their hands on a, on a true and legitimate quarterback, no offense to Alex Smith. I mean, that would be something to be worried about, but, but I still, I don't lose sleep at night myself over that. And the Eagles, the Eagles are a true and and utter disaster in this moment, which will be fully exemplified when they trade Carson Wentz to wherever finally. And so, I mean, they they can, I don't want to say they can cakewalk, but they can, they can very easily be in the mix. And, and so their, their road to getting back is, is a much 
you know, it's, it's a much lower, much less steep climb than it is for your average NFL team. And so while I yeah. agree with you and we've, we've been talking about it all off season already, and we'll continue to at the site. I mean, it's, it's very, very, very doable and it can be, it can be done in a very, very, very quick way. And that's exciting. Yes. And uh, yeah, that, that's something I hate to rely on the other three teams in the division, but it does look like they're all at least a year away from even starting to get things fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the football team is the one that I'm more worried about. And that's because I think Ron Rivera gives them the best right. coaching situation out of the three. Um, uh, like you said, Jason Garrett's there. And, and <laughs> I always feel like that Joe judge better be, you know, making sure he keeps his resume updated because <laughs> Yeah. You know, look what happened with, with Garrett and uh, Wade Phillips. But, you know, uh, the Eagles, good Lord. I saw where J.J. Watt has made it known that, yeah, they're not on my list. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and, you know, if nothing else, we'll hopefully have them to laugh at even more. So that's uh that is the right way to end it tom uh it was fun being in for roy we certainly hope he's back with you next week uh certainly hope our normal schedule of shows is back next week everybody stay warm stay safe uh we hope you enjoyed we can't wait to talk to you soon enough have a good week everybody we love you to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 